Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Taking Social Stock podcast. Taking Social Stock is hosted by me, Andrew. And me, Heather. This week, we have a couple different topics we're going to get into. First, we have a follow-up to our story from last week, covering really briefly the news of last week. Mm -hmm. And then we'll get into our topic, which is the first of our four-part series on personal finance. So taking over from our discussion last week, can you give us an update on the Lisa Montgomery story? Yes. So Lisa has been executed and there was for momentarily a glimmer of hope, but she, I think it was stayed for a few hours and then she was executed. So that puts us at in Terre Haute where she was killed the 11th execution since summer of 2020. And this is a lot of federal executions that had been had a moratorium for about 17 years. President Trump resumed them. She's the first woman in close to 70 years who has been executed by the federal government. Sad story. We talked more about her life, the sad life of Lisa Montgomery in last week's podcast, if you want to know more. Yeah, when they had the stay of her execution, the article I read, I think the um, they submitted their report to Trump or whatever, you know, they're trying to get it canceled. It was like 1,900 pages or something like mm-hmm. that. It was incredibly long. So first thing I re- thought when I read that was, well, A, Trump isn't reviewing these things anyways, but even if anybody in his team or any legal person was, what's the likelihood they're going to look at a 1,900-page document? Yeah. So I I was like, oh, that's crazy. But at that moment, they had put a stay on her execution. The hope was obviously that that stay would last until Trump was out of office one way or another because Biden's already said that he plans to put the moratorium back in place. Yep. And continuing the Trump and political news and death and mayhem, other blood is, in our opinion, on Trump's hands. The events that happened last Wednesday, we did not cover it in the prior podcast. We recorded... I think before the instance even happened, but there was the takeover of the Capitol effectively by Trump supporters who, you know, obviously their goal was to incite terror. Don't know the full details of what everybody in the group was planning because some of them just seemed like tourists, but there's been major backlash with that. And it was a terrible event. Five people have died. There's been one police officer, I think it was a police officer who committed suicide after the events. Yeah. Uh, or someone who was arrested in conjunction with it. Both. One police officer died by suicide, and then one person who was a rioter died by suicide. You know, there's been a lot of fallout from that. We try to stay off the politics as much as we can, and this really isn't about Republican Party. Mm -hmm. This is about one leader who continued to just spread misinformation to keep himself in the limelight, to keep his narrative going, to continue to try to be an autocrat and maintain power. There are plenty of Republicans who have fed into that, have let the narrative continue, who we would view as culpable. Mm -hmm. But it's not just about politics. It's about responsibility, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. We've both had many people that we are friends with on Facebook who are in support of the Republican Party, who don't, you know, they don't view them as negatively as we view them and don't view it as a responsibility of the political party to stop actions like this But it is our firm belief that it was incited by the rhetoric used by the president. White supremacist rhetoric, yes. And along that lines, we have a topic we planned to get into at some point, 
which is white privilege, white privilege. It's something I didn't understand until the president was elected. Mm -hmm. uh, Donald Trump was elected. And it really has sunk in for me over the last few years. We will cover that probably next week. Did you have anything to add about the political situation? Yeah, I think, like you said, you know, and we've said this from the beginning, one of the catalysts for us wanting to start this podcast is we, like everybody, have our own leaning when it comes to politics. But we also believe in meeting humans where they are and not discounting people because they have different political views than we do. There is sometimes there is an inner, well, a lot of times there's most of the time there's an intersection between human rights and politics. We won't shy away from talking about political issues when it comes to human rights and what we've seen Trump do consistently over the past few years which led to this one of the boiling points last year was rooted in human rights and it does intersect with politics. Yep. So unavoidable that we'll have to touch on that because social issues are tied with government. We do have a lot of social programs that used to be funded by the government. Some that still are does not make us a socialist country does not make the De democratic party a socialist party. Now some of their agendas are for social welfare but if you think that means socialism, you need to do a little more research. Yeah. Hate to put it out there. Information's accessible. No excuse. Yes. So let's switch switch it up here a little bit. We'll get into our actual topic of the week, which is finance. Yeah. And setting financial goals is the key topic here. Both me and Heather, well, neither me or Heather, are certified financial planners. We don't do financial planning for others as a living. At one point in our life, during the, well, as you led up into the housing crisis. The Great Recession. And uh, during the housing crisis, we were working with an organization. We were coaching families on personal finance. The key things we were focused on were helping families figure out where they're spending and how they can reduce or eliminate their debt. That was the main goal, and that's what attracted us to it, because neither me or Heather have backgrounds or families that taught us about financial education. And neither of us learned it in high school, something mm -hmm. that's sorely lacking in schools today. And that's the the light gist of this series is just provide a little basic mm -hmm. uh, help for you to begin your path towards understanding your finances and manage, managing them. Personal finance is not a challenging topic itself. It just requires a lot of discipline. And the key part to starting any discipline is having goals. Yeah. I would say there are a lot of tools that are accessible, but sometimes tools can be much scarier than they are until they're they're broken down. So, you know, a couple things I think before we get into our topic today, which you've you've alluded to as goals, is talking about we have very different backgrounds in terms of you have a background now in finance, but it's more what I would call big picture finance. I'm sure there you call it corporate finance. So personal finance are things that we do for ourselves, they're going to be graspable. My background isn't in finance. I did, like you said, we we were, we were saw so many families during that time. And what I still carry from that is the stories, the faces from those experiences and how that getting into bad mortgages or not understanding how credit worked, how it really played into family stressors and affected individuals. And that still is something that I take with me. 
that said in our day to day, because personal finance has been something that you've really taken seriously and been diligent with over the years. And I trust you with it. Like we'll talk about it sometimes, but I'm like, that's great. That's great. And I've realized like over time, I want to be more than no. I want to understand how our investments work or why you've made the choices. I want to start making some of those choices. I want to understand like what it, when you're thinking about us buying a car, what are some of that homework that you did before we get to that point? Because I think it's important as any adult to do that. As we go through this series, we're going to be talking about things that I can grasp because this isn't something that I do in the day to day. So regardless of your background, your formal education level, these tools are going to be meant to apply that you can use. So hopefully these tools are something you can use. Everything we recommend will be stuff that we have personally looked at or used. When it comes to goal setting, we are using an acronym that's used in goal setting for everything from marketing and business to social work to figure skating. You can use it for anything you want to accomplish, any goal you are setting. And the acronym SMART is specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound or timely. These just kind of give you how to write out what your, your goal is. So to give an example, say you want to go on a vacation. Well, just saying I want to go on a vacation is not, it's a goal, but it doesn't tell you when, where, how, who. So you need to add all those details so that way you can start planning on how to achieve that goal. When it comes to personal finance, a lot of people have heard of Dave Ramsey. Mm -hmm. Dave Ramsey is really popular in the church circles. It's financial kind of steps that anyone could read and try to figure out how to get their personal finance in order and start achieving some of their financial goals. Yeah, we heard about him way back when, gosh, probably 10, 15 years ago now. Mm -hmm. And we haven't really utilized him, but he does have a lot of things that people seem to work with people we've known. Yep. The main reason I mentioned him, I don't know that his programs are worth using. There seems to be a lot of cost involved now. He has some books out there that you can easily pick up used. When it comes to setting goals, there are some like key goals a lot of people aim to set, especially when they're first getting into finance, like getting a little money in the bank so they can stop living paycheck to paycheck, paying off debts, and getting an emergency fund set up. And then eventually things like buying a house or buying a car, going on vacations, or those are side ones, and then saving for retirement. Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of goals that we're talking about when it's goal setting with personal finance. And we're going to focus on more the the smaller goals, not necessarily the long-term goals as we go through this whole process. That said, you can, this smart model, you can scale it up, you can scale it down. So you can apply the same outline, the same structure to longer-term goals. Yeah. I mean, you could apply this to your fitness goals. If one of your resolutions this year is to eat better or exercise more, you can apply this to your goals. Because simply saying, I want to exercise more this year well, how do you know when you've actually accomplished it? Yeah. Right. A very basic goal, like the baby step one, get some money in the bank, a thousand dollars or uh, something like that. So using that as an example, going back to, I want to go on a vacation. Mm-hmm. How would you make that goal specific, Heather? I would say I want to go on a vacation this year, but then I would need to go even further and say, when do I want to go on a vacation? I want to go on a vacation by October of this year. My reason for choosing October is hopefully all the vaccinations will be done and things will open up a little more. 
Okay, that's still not very specific. Okay. Where are you going? How much is it going to cost? Ooh. Okay, I want to go on a vacation to Hawaii, and I want to have saved... No, let me scale it in because that's not that far out. I want to go on a vacation in October to the Pacific Northwest hiking. And I think I'll need, we'll need $2,000 to do that. Okay. And of course, with planning that, we'll go over budgeting in a future ups, future part of the series. You would budget for that trip, figure out what you need for airfare, all that. And you came up with $2,000. Smart system then, number two is M, measurable. So how would you make that goal measurable? Or how would measurable apply to setting that goal of $2,000 to travel to the Pacific Northwest in October? I would not expect to just put in $2,000 into my vacation pocket or fund or whatever, right? So for me, I would think of on average, what do I need to save per month to get to that goal? So you want to save $2,000 in nine months, your goal, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm okay with numbers, but I'm not good at mental math, so I'll do it for you here. <laughs> that would be about $222, or let's say $225 per month that you would need to save. Okay. So that way I could make it measurable. I could measure, look at my account every month. If I started a vacation, fund, envelope, whatever you want to do, and to literally be able to see how much money I had contributed. That's the way that I can make it measurable. Measurable is really just seeing, having some way to track that your own goal. So Yep. Say you saved $200 this month and $250 the next month, you're still on track. Mm -hmm. But if you're tracking, you're six months in and so far you've only saved $400, well, you know you're not on goal. You might have to revise your specific mm -hmm. goal at that point. It's further out, smaller vacation, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And that leads right into the A. Achievable. So if, I guess an, a, an example could be I'm tracking along for the first four months. I'm putting in 230 bucks every month. So I'm doing good. And then month five, six, and seven, we hit a, a rough patch financially. Car needs a big repair, have to fix our air conditioner, whatever it looks like. And we can't put money into that. Then it would be looking at it to say, is this still achievable? Or do we need to scale down or rethink what a vacation looks like this year? Yep. With any goal setting, you want to measure it as you go through and mm -hmm. approach your goal. Attainable two is at the beginning, making sure it's a goal that's possible. So we've figured out that you need about $225 a month if you don't have it lump sum to reach the goal. But is $225 available in your budget? Yep. So that's where achievable comes in. If your goal is to, you know, oh, I want to have $25,000 at the end of the year in my bank account because that's what everyone says you need, but you only make $24,000 in a year. Well, obviously not achievable, no. not attainable. So it's about budgeting is this goal possible with your budget and budget will be a topic discussed later on but for now just kind of if you're setting your goals eyeball what you think you can do if you think you have an extra hundred dollars around each month put it towards a goal now realistic very related to attainable mm -hmm. yeah a lot of these these blend together yeah but to go with realistic it is looking at it realistically if i had to stop put or if we had to stop putting money into that fund because we had some big changes, what we'd probably want to do is look at look at our account at that point and say, is it realistic that we can still go on this vacation, hiking in the Pacific Northwest and have the experience we want? Should we is it realistic to think we can get caught up or should we be willing to change what our goal looks like this year so we can still have some kind of vacation? 
Another way real estate comes into play when setting a goal is your expenses will change month to month. So if you think, okay, $100 a month is, is attainable now, but in the summer I have less hours. So you're looking at that. So attainable and achievable, I think, are very similar when it comes to setting financial goals, but account for the things that will change over time. Is it realistic? Maybe you expect you're going to get a raise and you're projecting that into your you know, retirement saving. Well, I'm going to get 3% every year. Part of goal setting is, is that 3% realistic or is that what I'm hopeful for? Mm-hmm. Realistic would be, okay, I'm going to plan that I get a 2% raise every year. And if I get 3%, great. The whole like aim small, miss small, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, and then timely, we've kind of hit on this when you said you want to do it in October, but it's giving yourself a deadline. When am I going to hit this goal? So when it comes to saving, you know when you want to go, but maybe you want to save all that money by June because you know in June you have to buy a new car and the new car is going to take up that $200 a month that you had to save. Make sure your your goal has a time limit. If it's a long-term goal of I want to pay off debt, you'd be setting a date of when you want to be debt-free versus, you know, I'm going to go on a vacation on this date. So there has to be an end date of when this goal that you can look and say, I hit my goal. Or you can look and say, am I tracking towards that goal? That's where the time bound comes into play when setting a, a financial goal. Yep. And it's also what I really like about SMART goals is it gets you moving. It gets you aiming for something. You're more likely, even if you're looking at a bullseye, um, you may not hit the target, but you're still going to hit, what's that thing called? You may not hit the bullseye, but you may hit the target. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So that's where, like, if we were like, hey, I want to go on a vacation this year, great. It might happen, more likely to maybe happen or not happen. But if we say we want to take a vacation in October, so we need to start saving now. Here's what we need to save. We are likely to get the vacation we want, but even if something comes up and we can't do it, we're likely to still get a vacation. Time away, time to decompress is really what that's all about. Yeah. You know, we may not be able to go to the Northwest, but maybe we go hiking in Kansas or Oklahoma or something. Could be another trip where instead of being able to fly, it has to be something in driving range. Yep. Taking a step away from the SMART acronym, we'll include uh, a list of the SMART acronym with the show notes. The kind of goals that we're looking for whenever you start looking at your personal finances, we've kind of mentioned this, is the first goal is to get off living paycheck to paycheck. We sat with a lot of different families and looked at their finances. All sorts of ranges of finances, yeah, too. And this is every level. We've sat people who made very little and people who made what we'd consider a lot. Mm-hmm. All across the board, you will find people living paycheck to paycheck. It is not an income-based challenge. Of course, income plays a role in it. It's a habit challenge. The first goal that I would say for anyone is to try to break that cycle that brings a lot of stress off where you don't have to worry if you lose hours, especially during this preaching to the choir at this point. Pandemic, a lot of people have had inconsistent work schedules. But it gives you a little sense of security in that kind of event. If you have... $1,000 set aside, you might be able to miss a week of work and be perfectly fine. And it also saves you in the event that you need to take time off work unpaid, such as a family member funeral or some other unexpected trip. So that would be the number one thing. What that amount of money is will depend by person. You know, $1,000 is a great goal, I think, for a lot of people to have just in your bank account that you do not need. Mm -hmm. Literally kind of money that you is there, but you forgets there until you need it. Other goals I would say that you could start setting. If you have debt, pick out the goals you, the debts you need to pay off. If it's a, you know, credit card, things like that. Prioritize 
the ones you want and set goals of when you're going to tackle that. If you have a lot of student debt and you have credit cards and cars, having a goal of when you're going to pay off all that debt can be very uh, scary. Yeah, daunting. It could be a huge number, but set goals for what kind of debt you might want to pay off. What's another goal someone might be looking to set financially? Short term or long term? Anyone, more or less the goals that you would start out setting. I think an emergency fund for most people. So a longer term emergency fund, you want to set aside two months of income. Okay. Yeah, that's a good goal for a lot of people is once you have broken the cycle of being paycheck to paycheck is getting up to two to three months of living expenses. And that would be the bills that you you have to pay, including food, in my opinion. Just take out all your luxury and entertainment spending. If you had to cancel your Netflix and cancel all those, what is the minimum number of dollars you need per month multiply times two or three? Yep. Yes. Food, keep the lights on, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Keep gas in the car if you've got to use a car. Car payments because you got to get to a job or looking for a job, right? Because we're again, we're in this tough world right now, economically, particularly tough for people. And I think a biggie is set goals that feel realistic to you. This is a place where you don't, you know, this idea of keeping up with the Joneses, as we know, we've heard that over time, where some people might be in a, are are going to be in positions where $1,000 doesn't feel like a lot to them, but that might feel like a huge goal to you right now. And it's a big stretch for you to be able to set aside $50 per month with where you are. Start there. Uh, You have to do something that feels realistic to you don't compare yourself to others in this space yep another one you could be planning for very similar to what we said is planning for a vacation or some something that's outside your normal spending that's more than an incidental cost you know you don't need to budget to go out to dinner but if you want to spend a weekend in another city or visit a family member out of state those are goals you can start planning and when we get to the budgeting step you can put into your budget Mm -hmm to make it work. Perfect. That's the basics. Did you have any questions? I think there was something about the thousand dollars you want to go back to. Oh, it was that is not comparing yourself to others. I think that is the biggie more than anything, because that can make people feel like, why do I even start if only if I can only put aside $10 this week or $50 this month or whatever it is, something is better than nothing. The part of the hat, part of the success is building in a habit of it. So start where you are and celebrate the consistency with it. Yep. You'll hear different tips out there of ways that you can do this, like have a savings account, have the money auto draft in there. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great way. That's a tool that when we started working through our finances that I would use to set aside money that would go towards paying off debt early. I just had our bank set it up. We could do so many transactions per month, but it auto would move a certain number of dollars from our checking account into the savings account that, you know, it's not there to earn interest. It was literally just for me to set money aside that's out of sight, out of mind. And then at the end of the month, I would apply it towards something else. So that's one way you can do it. I think that's a great tool. Almost every bank will give you a free, you know, if you want to open a second account, it's free. Shouldn't be any credit checks, anything like that. Check with your bank, but that's a great way to do it. And just set up an auto transaction for whatever amount you feel comfortable with for that goal. And then if your goals change, you don't have to spend that money until it's time to spend it. So it's still available. Yeah. With that is thinking about when you talked about a bank, that's a very kind of middle income thing to, th- to think about because this is a podcast and accessible 
to people all over the financial um, space. We want to keep in mind that there are a lot of people who are underbanked. You do have to get have money to get access to savings account, checking account. So maybe you'll have to pick something else out to do, but know that this this is meant to be accessible to everybody. Yeah. The main thing I'm trying to say, though, is if the money is in your hand, it's easier to spend. Yes, absolutely. So physical cash in hand is very tough to save, and it's easier to lose than yep. digital cash. Well, that's going to be it for part one. Parts two and three are going to get a lot more specific on how to make these goals happen. We are doing this, is it every other week we're doing this series? Yes, we'll okay. be doing this every other week for the next, I guess it'll be a month yeah. and a half or so. Next week, I think I may have preluded this, we'll probably be covering white privilege and privilege in general, but then we'll get back to the finance. So a little bit of alternating, not super heavy topics every week, ideally. There we go. <laughs> Good. All right, that'll do it for us this week. Thank you for listening. This has been the Taking Social Stock podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at takingsocialstock at gmail.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Do, 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 do. Thank you.